Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Hello and welcome to Two Up Front. We have a special edition for you today. Baxter is out of the studio. And in fact, we're not even in studio today. We're out at the Highbury Pub in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's right. Two Up Front is doing a pub crawl of sorts, starting here at one of the bigger pubs. The Highbury Pub, as I said, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Usually we're in studio, but we are very thankful to be broadcasting live from this awesome institution if you are a soccer fan. Of course, Baxter and I are both soccer fans, but today, Baxter is out of the studio. Well, we have a special guest host with us, Brad Kostriva. Brad, welcome to the program. Thank you, thank you. Happy to be here. Great to have you, Brad. So, uh, Brad, why don't you give us a little bit of background? You've been on the show before talking about the Milwaukee Soccer Development Group and whatnot, but give us a little bit more history about yourself. Oh, about myself. Okay, well, um, like uh, 90% of all the kids out there today, I played soccer uh, since I was a wee one. I uh, grew up loving the sport, loving the game, and uh, doing my best to not get injured, as I did just a couple of weeks ago, oddly enough. Um, got to be a Liverpool fan when I was uh, pretty young. I would say maybe five, six years old. We're pretty close to a family from Liverpool and go over to their house and watch the PAL tapes that they get mailed to them, you know, every week. We had no idea how it ended, even though the match was over, you know, a week, week and a half earlier. Sit in their basement, watch the matches, got really into it. And we've got background noise here because, like you said, we're at the Highbury Pub. That's right. <laughs> With some very passionate soccer fans, we've got the Manchester Derby, uh, Derby going on. We've got some Spurs fans here watching them taking care of business. They're up 3-1 right now on Bournemouth. And uh, well, back, to, back to talking about Liverpool because we're actually going to see a little bit of the Liverpool-Southampton game on our show today. Well, yeah, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, obviously. Um, Jurgen Klopp coming from, uh, coming from Dortmund, where he had uh, levels of success there, both in the Champions League and in uh, domestically out in Germany. Um, when he took his uh, sabbatical at the end of the 2014-2015 season, I think uh, a lot of people didn't think he was on the market or in the market or something like that. But uh, with the rather surprising release of Brendan Rodgers, and I only say surprising because mid-season, not even mid-season, early season, early, right? and I wouldn't say it was a disastrous early season, certainly not what we hoped for or expected, but an early season release like that, I think it felt like um, they were Maybe the ownership was hedging their bets a little bit based on what happened in the last couple of years and not seeing the improvement they needed. So bringing over uh, Jordan Klopp and uh, 
I wouldn't say the greatest success so far, but, you know, we're a Liverpool fan. We want to know why they don't have a trophy yet. It's been three and a half weeks since he's been signed. That's, and right. That's right. Well, I think they were upset with him before he actually signed it. Right. Anyways, exactly. I wonder why he hadn't fixed things, fixed things, right? That's right. That's right. Do you think, uh, think Rodgers took the team as far as he could? Or do you think some of the blame has to lie with ownership, with not really having a strong transfer market? Well, I think it's a combination of both those things. Um, personally, I think the ownership has, uh, I don't want to say interfered with, but maybe not given the uh, managers really the, the the breadth or the depth of decision making that they needed to have in the transfer market over the last few years. This goes back, you know, when Doug Leach was in there, you know, when, and Rodgers, and now with Jurgen who came in and during his interviews is saying, transfers aren't going to happen without my express yay or nay. Nobody's leaving unless I say they can nobody's coming unless I say we want them. So that, I think that's kind of the uh, uh, K. Jones, if you will, that uh, manager kind of needs to have to stand up to the, the ownership group at Liverpool. And, and we'll see as the uh, January transfer window approaches and closes, obviously, um, just how, how well he's able to stick to those guns. And it's bad. It's very obvious you know what you're talking about, which is why it's great to have you as a special guest host today. I appreciate that. You know, usually the show focuses a lot on MLS because we do brand ourselves as an American uh, soccer outfit. But, of course, we touch upon the EPL. With MLS season wrapping up, today with uh, Decision Day, we'll definitely be depending on you a lot more to come on in and talk some EPL with us. Uh, in the meantime, we've got a special guest here as well. We, we talked with him back in May, I believe. Uh, but he is back here today. Tryouts were yesterday for the Milwaukee Torrent. We've got special guest Andy Davi here. Andy, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Yeah. Trials were not so good yesterday. They, we needed to uh, cut them after after 20 minutes because uh, the whole block at E-Line lost power. Is so, that right? Yeah, we have to reschedule on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Isn't it maybe more of a challenge to see what guys can do in the dark, though? <laughs> yeah, it was strange, but it was. You know what? Uh, the one good thing about it was how we had, like, th 34 players, um, how they were interacting when that happened. So we had really, we had kids from, from all over the country. One kid from Hawaii. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Colorado, Minnesota, Illinois. Um, it was just great to see. Uh, it was it was a good environment and it was fun. And we were just done with some passing exercises and boom, it blacked out. And then we were thinking, okay, maybe we do a little bit inside. Sure. But the lights, we left at 8.30, the lights never came back on. And the whole block, a half mile um, south and, and north in that block was out of power. So it wasn't just the kickers that were having problems. It was the entire... It, it was a block out I think wow. almost a half mile. So All right. that that happened. Um, like I said, it was good to see how they in interacted. So we're back Tuesday night at 8 p.m. All right. Sounds yeah. good. We'll have to touch base with you again yeah. that as well. So you've got James Weber. You've got Ian Bennett on the team. Any other signings that have happened in the meantime? A new good meta. Okay. Um, and then we signed on uh, Friday Stuart Grable. Oh, Stuart Grable, for former uh, UW Green, Green Bay player, um, played already with me in 2010 NPSL Bavarians, and then after uh, after his uh, college um, career, he played two years um, West Virginia uh, PDL. Oh, so, is that right? Yeah, I'm pretty happy to have him. We um, another local kid though, which is great. Another the Milwaukee Torrent. Another local kid. We are going to sign on Monday uh, to markets. Oh, is that right? So I can tell you this, I will uh, announce it probably Tuesday morning because I meet them Monday night. So uh, 
Yeah, everything moves forward. Uh, so that was my next question, is where are things at right now with the torrent? So uh, we are the last few weeks we used uh, to talk a lot with the league, starting to schedule the other, the other um, talk to the other teams. We're going to have for sure five teams in our division. Um, we're going, this, this is so, so far nobody knows this, but I wanted to, to tell you guys here first in this show. So we're going to start playing in mid-April already. All right, congratulations. Thank you. It's exciting to hear, yeah. Um, we're going to have already, I know, I don't know if uh, some people have known on Facebook, we announced the game against Marquette, but we will probably our first game um, that we're going to play. Then on April 30th, we're playing UW at Elan. Oh, is that right? Yes. So this game is going to happen. So we're going to play April and May non-conference schedule. Okay. To, uh, so that people just come, we want to play local teams. Uh, plan is to play uh, PDL teams, um, Chicago Fire, uh, Des Moines Menace maybe. Then we have June, July, we have the conference schedule. And we plan on having nationals in August. Okay. So that's the plan so far. We got more sponsors. Uh, actually, after tonight, we have our advisory board meeting okay. at 5 p.m. So everything from the first time we met, everything is still going straight up. Excellent. So, that's great to hear. So uh, have you talked about... Are you doing a 10-game season then with five teams in the league? You're doing a straight, obviously a straight table. I'm assuming you're not going to break it up into no, two we'll three divisions. We'll be eight games far away for home games. Uh, we all decided for the first year that it's five, just those five teams. Okay. Um, you want to have strong ownership and and make sure that the exactly, can exist exactly. after this year. Correct. We yeah. don't we don't want that the teams bail out or, or I mean traveling obviously is, is a big big issue when when you get a team in from uh, from Michigan they have to travel to North Dakota. Sure. I mean that's that's some travel. Um, we're still talking to some teams. Um, many teams are interested because uh, now the the ESL also changed the whole. They don't go European system anymore. Calendar. They're going to start playing next year the American calendar. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's. I'm again. I'm super excited. Um, I wish. I just sometimes wish we had more more support from the town and everything because I still do everything on my own uh, because it's not the highest level. But uh, again, like like I said, the first time you have to start somewhere and. Um, yeah, many people talk. And, well, and, uh, and you know, we've seen we've seen towns that in ML that are in MLS now that started with lower division teams, and correct. and and that helps show to MLS or or USL or NASL that there can be a passionate fan base with even uh, lower division teams. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And I think this is how you have to start. I mean, uh, there's so much talk, and uh, and uh, it's the same I said in the first time. Yeah. I do. I don't want to talk. I do. And if it's a lower level, like I said, whatever you want to do at a soccer game, if you if you identify yourself with that organization, uh, you cheer, you go out, you do tailgate. It doesn't matter what league you belong to, as long as long as you believe in that team and in that organization. And this is our goal. And you do have a, a great supporters club. Actually, I got to put my torrent scarf on here while we're talking. <laughs> uh, you do have a good supporters group already in the flood correct um, the flood is actually already it's well, on, on Facebook around about almost 400 members it is already a non-profit organization really um, wow. wow the torrent by the way too so the torrent is a community foundation and corporation so we got this all set out um, the guys who do this stuff with the flood um, they do an awesome job they have their own startup package um, online that you can buy with scarves and flags um, they got for me a, a second a second monster flag is 13 by 13 feet they get a, a, a banner for the section at Elan, what is a 60-yard banner, 60-yard long, and three feet tall, uh, what is what is 
their section. Um, it's it's just great to see. And every every day, it doesn't matter if it's us or the flood. Every day we get new likes on on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That is exciting to hear because you know I've, I've got brothers that have played with the old Milwaukee Rampage back in the day, and. Uh, I felt like sometimes I was the only fan there trying to cheer. I brought a drum one day and people looked at me like I was crazy. So it's great to hear that, you know, the supporters, the supporters groups in this country are finally starting to get it. You know, right. even even with an ASL2 club, you know, that, that they get that it doesn't matter what level we're at, we can still go out there and support a club. Correct. Correct. And uh, goal is, I mean, uh, we talked, we got, uh, I can say this, we got uh, we had a phone conversation with the ESL uh, a few weeks ago where they offered us to go directly as ASL 1 in the Midwest. Um, but that's obviously then uh, your budget goes up like 300%. Right. And, uh, yeah. But this is obviously for me, for me as a taunt, this, the goal in 2017 is... Uh, to, to go at least at the, at the ESL 1 and even if I have to join the league at the East Coast. So this is absolutely the goal. Awesome. That's yeah. great to hear. Well, I wish you the best, uh, but before we let you go, I know you got to run off and pick up the yeah. sports psychologist, is that right? Sports psychologist from Bayer Leverkusen. Yes. yes, yes. And you trained yourself with uh, Leverkusen, is that yeah, correct? Correct. correct? And uh, you got to be pretty happy with the score today. I don't know uh, if you yes, saw it. Yes, yesterday, 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 yes. Yes, yes <laughs> I saw the game. I always look at the, at the Fox Sport to go. Uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, when I look at those guys right now, even the game against Rome, uh, man, I'm going to age much faster. But <laughs> Sorry, it's not always going to work that you're behind. And um, it's, I, I don't know why it is right now with those guys. But you know what? They play attractive soccer. They play They play offensively. And I can guarantee you this is what Torn's going to do too. That's so, great to hear. Offensive, offensive play. And um, yeah. So are you are you able to uh, use the Leverkusen system or, or school, if you will, that you're transferring over to the Torrent at all? Well, I mean, I mean, I have my own philosophy. Um, I was always even when I coached, even it doesn't matter if it was youth teams or, or when I had uh, the Bavarians, the NPSL team. Uh, I mostly played offensively with sometimes only three defenders. Um, so I have my own philosophy, uh, but I like I like that 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 pressing um, that you that you really stand stand up. And uh, if you have the right guys, and obviously you need you need to recruit the players for the system. You cannot use a system and you don't have the players right. So we have to see, but um, there are many, many players who, who I talk to um, and who are interested um, where I know I can play the system with. And obviously there are still so many college seniors that I'm right now not allowed to talk to sure. because of the college eligibility. Uh, so, you're, so you're not going to do the Pete Carroll thing and break a bunch of college rules? And no, no I, try, <laughs> I try not to because uh, I, think, I think so far people who know me know that what I do um, is 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 on a level where, where everybody people trust me. They know what I do. It works, and um, I don't I don't want that anybody gets uh, or that I that, that I got a bad reputation about that. So no, I, I don't really play. I'm a real follower, and um, yeah, I just don't. It's this is not about me. I mean, it's about the kids. We had, for example, some kids wanted to come to the tryouts. They couldn't come to the tryouts because they play college. Gotcha. Yeah, you don't want to mess with that eligibility. Not at all. Well, Andy, where can they find information about the Milwaukee Torrents? Well, we're still, um, the, the uh, homepage is on milwaukeetorrent.com. Uh, obviously, right now, there is not much on the homepage because the roster is not set, the schedule is not set. We try to get the schedule set, by the way, by um, December 19th. We have our, our first um, annual meeting with the ASL2 members. Um, but can you, I don't mean to interrupt, can you tell us which teams are in the league besides the Milwaukee Torrent, or is that still being worked out? Well, I can say it's 
so it will be the torrent it will be fc fargo north dakota um it will be uh, ssc minnesota city okay but it will be the counterpart of the minnesota united oh okay, um, okay. and then there's one team from michigan that i'm not allowed to okay to pronounce it. I, it is they're still in the league they're, there's their stuff papers papers stuff they have to deal with but we will be five teams um there are some teams interested from illinois maybe we do a, a six team but we want to have only only five teams in and um, otherwise we try to post daily something on facebook Twitter, um, Instagram. Uh, we just hired last week um, um, somebody who's going to take care for the social social media cause. It's going to get too much just for me alone. Sure. So and that's otherwise, good. that's good news. That's otherwise, like I said, Facebook is probably right now where we put the most stuff on because it's the easiest. And, okay. And that's uh, just Milwaukee Toronto. Like the page, share with people. Uh, we are we get daily at least one new uh, one new like on Facebook. We are at uh, almost two thousand. So uh, yeah. Well, Andy, you know, it's been uh, 13 years, I believe, the Rampage closed up shop in 2002, so it's been 13 years since Milwaukee's had a professional soccer club at any level. I think, personally, it's exciting to uh, to get some professional soccer back here in Milwaukee, so I want to thank you for your efforts, thank and you uh, everybody else listening, make sure you go to the Torrance Facebook page, check them out on the internet as well, at MilwaukeeTorrent.com, check them out on Twitter, and also check out the Flood, the supporters group, maybe you want to consider being a part of that supporters group, so yeah, anything... That, that Sorry, that would be really great. I mean, those guys do an awesome job. They have already meetings. Like I said, they're, they're non-profit. They have their own merchandise already. And, uh, yeah, have the, if you're a soccer crazy, if, if you if you want to support this, contact the flood. Go on Facebook. They're happy about everybody who wants, who wants to be a part of it. Well, Andy, thanks for coming on for our special edition show here with two up front talking about soccer culture in Milwaukee. You're playing a big part in that, so thank you for your work. Thank you very much. And, uh, better get off to the Amtrak station. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> Have a good Sunday. Thank you. You as well, Andy. Thank, thank you. you so much. That was Andy Davi, owner and head coach of the Milwaukee Torrent. That'll be Milwaukee's new professional soccer team. Kicking off in mid-April, as Andy said. They'll be playing through August, so we'll, we'll check them out. They're in the ASL 2, looking to move up to the ASL 1 and take it from there. Brett, welcome back to the show. Thanks. <laughs> well, we're going to head to our first break here. When we come back, Brett wants to talk a little FIFA, maybe a little more EPL, and some big news about the Copa America. So, stay tuned to 2 Up Front. By the way, this is my first time producing the show on my own, so if I'm making mistakes, folks, just bear with us. He's clicking the buttons just fine, I think. <laughs> we'll see you on the other side.
Welcome back to Two Up Front on a special edition Soccer Culture in Milwaukee. We just had Andy Davion from the Milwaukee Torrent. That's the owner and the head coach. He's got a lot of passion for soccer in the city. And of course, he's got an ASL2 club, the Milwaukee Torrent, supported by the Flood, both of them nonprofit organizations. Now, as you heard Andy say, you can find the Torrent on Facebook. You can also find the Flood on Facebook. Uh, welcome Brad back into the booth here. Brad's got some stuff he wants to talk about. I got stuff on my mind. <laughs> so that's one of the reasons we have you here, Brad. Another passionate soccer fan that's just as upset and disgruntled about the Mafifa as, <laughs> as Baxter and I. Uh, I've, as I, we've talked about, I've been following this since like 2004, 2005 off of the uh, a website. And I'm still shocked in a happy way, though, that the fallout has finally started to happen. It was... There's a man, I don't know if I can legally say his name, so I'm not going to, but I followed him for years on the internet. A lot of people thought he was pretty crazy, um, but basically everything that he predicted has started to happen. Sure. And, you know, Sepp Blatter, now he was a hero because at one point FIFA was almost bankrupt, and this man named Sepp came along and basically saved FIFA. But then something happened where a lot of money started to be made. This so-called nonprofit organization, which has over a billion dollars in their in their funds, all of a sudden, well, of course, corruption all of a sudden comes into it. Oddly, oddly. And, uh, of course, we've seen the massive fall. We've seen that Sepp Blatter's been suspended for 90 days. Uh, Valak, of course, the, the general secretary, he's he's been basically kicked out. Right. Um, we're seeing more and more suspensions coming along. It's actually surprising to me that we see the ethics committee start taking their job seriously. Uh, it's almost like it's in their name. <laughs> almost! <laughs> so, as we were off here with Brad, you, you had some... Uh, I like you because you're like me in a way that there's some conspiracy theories going around in your head. Uh, but these are more legitimate, I will say, than, than the ones I usually come up with. <laughs> well, and I think the legitimacy comes from, like you said, we're starting to see the fallout, and I feel like we're, we're scratching the surface of what's actually going on here, and you're right. Sepp was more or less a hero at some point because you know FIFA became a rather well-respected, well-known organization at the highest levels. Um, with great power comes great responsibility and usually great corruption, apparently. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not anti-FIFA or anti-Sepp Blatter in, in the most general sense. My question is, did it take, and, and this is where I'm going to start to rant, so I apologize. Please do. <laughs> Does it take corruption, bribery, and unethical behavior to go from a place that they needed help to the place they're at now? Was it built on that? Is that where the base was? Or did that only come into play later on once they realized how much power that they wielded, especially economic power? And, and I try to explain the history to people in that obviously we have a lot of minnows in this region. And CONCACAF was smart and realized, you know what, one of the ways to make all the, all the nations better at this sport is to give them more competitive games. So instead of holding our continental championship every four years, let's do it every two years. Well, then uh, Santa Claus and uh, what's his face from uh, Trinidad and Tobago realized, hey, you know what, we put this in the U.S., we're starting to make a lot of money off of this. Then we saw it go from basically one city hosting it to 13 cities hosting right, it. Right. More and more money's being made. And as you said before, all of a sudden all this corruption comes into CONCACAF where Chuck Blazer, that's who Santa Claus is, by the way, uh, started lining his pockets. And of course, um, why am I blanking on his name right now from Trinidad? Um, Jack Warner, Warner, you know the criminal that he is. We, you know, thankfully he's he's finally out of the game. I still wonder how many secrets that he knows that he hasn't let out. I will say that's the only thing I'll give him credit for. But uh, 
But what we saw in FIFA, obviously we saw in CONCACAF, and we see that throughout all the confederations. Right, and, and for me, it's, it's really frustrating to, to think of your world-governing body, right? And if you, are, if you ask a, a fan who actually follows this kind of thing, and when they, when they hear things like, oh, Russia and Qatar are awarded the next World Cups, people like say, that's because they paid off FIFA to get them. And, and, and the conventional fan, the conventionalism of the fan is, well, yeah, of course they did. Of course there's corruption. Now that we're just finally exposing it and going after it legally, uh, that puts it you know, higher up in the news, more legitimately in the news. But it's not a good place to be in when your world governing body is kind of known for it. And then, like I said, going down to the CONCACAF or UEFA level, you know, whatever levels, you know, how far not up does it go? How far down does it go? You know, and it's, yeah, it's conspiracy theory stuff. There's no evidence whatsoever outside of what's been exposed and proven so far. But when you talk about uh, regional confederations or national FAs or soccer federations, and you talk about developing the sport and putting the money where it needs to be to make sure that the, the, not only the sport, but the talent within the sport grows, why is that money being reallocated? How long has that been going on? And think of how great the sport could be globally if that hadn't been going on for so long. So that's where it really kind of rankles my cankles, if you will, just because I don't, I don't like the sense that we know that's been happening because it, it's almost very obvious when you read the news. It's not been investigated or proven or anything until fairly recently. Right. Right? We'll, we'll say that there's been some movement on it in the last couple of years, but really fairly recently with the, you know, the U.S. getting involved, oddly enough, the U.S. getting involved in kind of spearheading this thing with the uh, Swiss. So hopefully it goes somewhere that you know, we can actually peel back the layers of, of you know, the, the bureaucratic Right. corruption layers and we get to the, the nature of what that governing body should be at the highest level what the what the regional governing body should be and how the FAs and the regional bodies and the national uh, international bodies should really be acting with each other to really grow the sport grow the talent and grow you know grow the leagues and it you know it is a bit concerning when U.S. soccer was called into Congress to basically talk about their part in this if there was a part of theirs in this and then your own president Sunil Gulati doesn't even show up for the congressional hearings and I understand the whole point was that Dan Flynn is the one who basically handles all the day-to-day operations but nevertheless you have to have your figurehead there it felt like it weren't, they weren't taking it seriously exactly. and really and really okay let's, as let's, let's as some <laughs> of the questions were from the congressmen and women you still I'll let you take over. Go right. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I mean, it just kind of gives the impression that, that, that maybe U.S. soccer, it gave the impression U.S. soccer wasn't taking it seriously because Galati didn't show up. Um, but at the same time, let's let's go with the assumption that U.S. soccer maybe didn't do anything wrong here and they're actually just, they're, they're doing their job the way they're supposed to be doing their job. And I'm, I'm perfectly happy saying, perfectly happy saying that that is true. <laughs> I am not upset that Congress did make that happen because I think sure. due diligence and transparency are like the key ingredients to uh, an organization that isn't corrupt. Right? No, I, I completely agree with that and uh, and I agree with you. I'm, I'm glad Congress did that as well. I just thought some of the uh, repetition of questions was a was the ridiculous part of it. But I have no problem. I mean, you know, it's it's great to see that even congressmen are starting to take the sport a little seriously. Absolutely. Ironic, but... <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Although, I will say that there is something also ironic about uh, Congress coming out and wondering why there's corruption going on in some other type of institution. Well, sometimes you smell your own, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that works. <laughs> well, Brad, uh, in an in a odd segue here, 
Let's talk about going from corruption to not corruption and, and handing, helping the city of Milwaukee. Sure. That's kind of the basis of the show. Sure. So you're famously known in these parts as being the first volunteer of the Milwaukee Soccer Development Group, headed up by James Moran, and of course now he's also connected with the Milwaukee Barons and in an effort to, uh, we have the Milwaukee Torn here, which is awesome, and but in an effort to bring perhaps a USL or NASL club uh, to Milwaukee as well, at least getting those leagues to notice Milwaukee again. Um, we had the Rampage here way back in the day in the USL Division 1 days, the A-League days. Uh, they folded up shop in 2002. Regardless, I'm going on and on here. I'm just showing my my age right now. Uh, but I'd like to get your, your take now on what's going on with MSDG and how that's helping the city. Well, uh, I, I think, okay, one thing that we're doing right now is we're broadcasting out of a soccer pub in Milwaukee, okay? Now, one, that, one of one of four or five now. I think it's getting a little bit high. You know, I look at a place like the Highbury. It's been a soccer pub basically since it's open. And then all of a sudden you start looking around the city of Milwaukee and there's places that just, hey, why don't we open on Saturday and Sunday mornings during the soccer games? And guess what? People are showing up. You know, and then the places that decide we're going to be open for these matches, not just because, well, let's try it this week, let's try it that week. We're going to be open. You know what? During the day, we're going to be open for the Champions League matches. We're going to be open on Sunday nights for the MLS matches. We're going to be open for all the matches that we can that we can be open for and people are showing up. I think it says a little bit to the Milwaukee culture in terms of soccer that it, it's not only just a, a growing in interest, but there's an economy there that I think businesses are, are taking advantage of in a good way, of course, because they're seeing the growth, they're seeing the expansion of the interest in the sport, and they're realizing that there is an economic engine behind the soccer fan, if you will, and that Saturday and Sunday mornings, especially in the EPL season, can be very lucrative. Think about it. Absolutely. Well, we have, obviously, at the Highbury. At some point, we'll visit uh, the Nomad, which is a classic. Classic one. Uh, we've got Three Lions Pub, Up in which, Sherwood, which yep. I understand a lot of Liverpool fans go to is, for most of their matches. That's right. It's, uh, Three Lions is actually the official home of the Liverpool Milwaukee All right. Of course, Highbury, if you haven't guessed, is is the uh, home of the Arsenal fan. You'd be surprised uh, how many different teams... One thing about the Highbury, and I, and I live close by, so I, I'm a little bit biased, but one thing that's nice about the Highbury is that, uh, say, an Everton fan and a Liverpool fan were sitting next to each other doing a radio <laughs> show, for example, <laughs> and they could watch the, uh, the Mersey side, for example, and no matter who wins, no matter who loses, Loses. No matter who wins and no matter who loses, the uh, uh, end of the match, you guys can always get together, have a laugh, have a chat, share a beer, do whatever is necessary uh, just to maintain that friendship. And this bar really kind of it, it, it encourages that kind of thing. There's really no rivalry here that, that sure. gets heated, you know. Uh, well, ultimately, and I think that's one of the, still one of the unique things about our country anyway, is that there's still that common ground of... We're all in this together. We all want to see the sport grow here. Uh, whether it's whether it's the increasing population. That was a Spurs goal, by the way, in case you're hearing uh, a little background noise. Little background just goes noise there. One over bonus. Making some adjustments here. Sorry, folks. Uh, anyways. <laughs> Uh, where was I on this? Uh, you, were, you were talking about uh, just the nature of oh, the nature, right, soccer. right. So whether it's the EPL getting more popular here or folks like Baxter and I, and you and I have done the MLS trips, but seeing MLS get to be bigger in this country, no matter who you support, no matter what team you're really rooting for, at the end of the day, we're all soccer fans and we all want to see the game grow here. Right, and, and it's a nice contrast if you think about it to, you know, your Cubs versus Brewers you know, here in Milwaukee. Now that rivalry can actually get heated and end friendships or, the, you know, the Packers, Bears, Packers, Vikings. It's it's unfortunate that, you know, sports can do that, but I think that's the, the contrast between what we're doing here in terms of just the, 
soccer fandom, if you will, that we all come together, we all enjoy the sport, we all, you know, put up our little, our little verbal fisticuffs, if you will, but at the end of the day, we're all here because we love the sport, we love to see it grow, and Milwaukee's really doing a good job, I think, of helping nurture that. And uh, along with that, let me ask you this question, Simon. Yes. Now, last weekend, was it, yeah, last weekend, Jade Merrick came by for, gosh, five or six different uh, special events. Uh, basically promoted by the Milwaukee Soccer Development, Milwaukee Barons, to kind of help, you know, not only build the, uh, the the spirit of soccer in Milwaukee, but also kind of show how far we've come. Five years ago, ten years ago, could you have seen that happening here? Absolutely not. Of course not. And that's that is the amazing thing, Brad, of just the speed that the sport has picked up in the last, as you said, five or well, five years, really. Yeah, five years, you know, really. And we yeah. both played in our youth. I've got brothers who played professionally. But even then, it was it was pulling here to try to get people to understand why why this is a great sport. Now, admittedly, when I was back, then I was also raging against other sports. I've matured and realized, you know what? All these sports are, are great. Um, maybe not. I may not enjoy them. I, I don't. You know, I don't have anything against the NBA. But for me, it just. It's not for me. Right. At the same time, I can look at those athletes and go, yeah, how can I rip on them? I mean, right. those, those guys are incredible. What they can do with the ball, I couldn't dream of doing. Now, another interesting thing about Milwaukee I've discovered is that you don't get the anti-soccer fan in Milwaukee as much as you do like in the rest of the country that you've seen where, oh, you're a soccer fan, whatever, boo-hoo on you, is boring a sport I've ever seen, et cetera, et cetera, and then they look at you strange because you're a soccer fan. Here in Milwaukee, you can be a soccer fan, and people are kind of like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, they might yeah. not be a soccer fan, but they're not going to knock you for being one. That's I think that's unique to Milwaukee. It sure, it exists in little pockets here and there. I'm sure. not going to say it doesn't. But I think as a general rule, Milwaukee is actually pretty supportive of the soccer fan. Even the people that aren't soccer fans are just like, that's pretty cool. You're a soccer fan? You, you know what's funny is uh, for a couple of years, well, four or five years, I taught public speaking. And one of the things we do is introduce ourselves and talk about who we are and what makes us different. And, of course, I would always say, well, in my youth, and I still do, I play soccer. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Then about three years ago, it was kind of weird because that wasn't unique anymore, right? Every kid that came up talked about, yeah, I played high school soccer, I played high school soccer, I played high school soccer. And there, there's that little bit of me that goes... Oh, that's not as cool anymore. I'm not the, I'm not the unique I guy. I still think you're cool, Simon. It's all right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We're on that note. We're going to head to a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more uh, Milwaukee soccer culture, have a few more guests on the air. But, uh, Brad, it's been awesome having you on so far. I'm looking forward to the rest of the show. Can't wait. This is Two Up Front. Baxter, we're doing a special shout-out saying hello to you. Brad's doing a great job filling in for Baxter. This is Simon Proven. We'll see you on the other side.
Welcome back to two up front. This is Simon Baxter is off. Getting our next guest here in the house. Newcastle Brad is uh, is who we'll be talking to soon, from what I understand, or do we have a change of plans? We're kind of going fluid here today, folks. We had a lot of people jumping in and out. Well, I think uh, Newcastle Brad, as it were, um, <clears throat> took a look at the scoreline at the end of the match, three nothing, and maybe uh, drowned his sorrows a bit too much. So he might have taken off. Oh, uh, gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, if yes, if you haven't heard, uh, 3-0 Sunderland with a very strong win against a well, let's face it, against a very weak Newcastle. Newcastle side. But DeAndre Yedlin, from what I saw in the game this morning, as I was eating my cocoa puffs. Looked like he was playing really well today, so that's always good to see. You know, it's just him and Jeff Cameron are the only two outfield players in the EPL at this point. That's that it. Yeah. You know, got plenty of players in the championship. Of course, you got Guzan and Howard. Uh, speaking of Guzan, by the way, Villa, second club to sack their manager in the season. That's uh, a, a day a day after Sherwood said, no, I'm actually, I feel really secure in my position. I'm not worried. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, got to scroll pretty far to find Villa on the table here. Yes, yes. There they are. Yeah. 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 How, how many wins do they have this season? Uh, I see one, one win, yeah. and uh, eight losses. But they did draw one, so they did. It's only got four points. Yeah, four points. Four points. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, Sunderland still sitting in the drop zone after today's win. That was their first win of the season. They're sitting at six points, tied with Newcastle. So in a way, that was actually a very important victory for them. I still think Sunderland's going to drop. Um, I don't think there's any question Villa will be done. But I don't know. You know, a lot of times, like we saw with Leicester last year. And there's another top top, by the way. Another Kane goal, number five. Number five on the day. Not Kane's fifth goal, but Tottenham's fifth goal of the day. 5-1 over Burnmouth. I believe I started him on my uh, fantasy team. Oh, did you? Yeah, nice. yeah I did. Good, yep. good. So, yeah, speaking of the table, now we're, okay, we're 10, 9 to 10 matches in, depending on, you know, who has or hasn't finished their match today. Uh, I always say that 10 matches in is way too early as hell, but, um, yeah, Villa and Newcastle. Right. What I was going to say is you do have, you do look at Leicester season last year, going into the Christmas break, they certainly looked like they were done for. Then they won in an amazing run, and then last match day, they end up surviving and staying up top, right? right. Or second to last match day, one of the two. So I don't know. Maybe we, maybe we do see Sunderland actually sneak out again and stay up in the uh, Premier League. But I've said from the beginning, I really think that Sunderland's going to drop. Now, looking at the top of the table, and I don't want to get on an EPL rant here, but looking at the top of the table, uh, Arsenal sitting on top of the table as of right this very second, okay? Uh, but look at, look at some of these names. Uh, West Ham in third as of right now. Uh, Leicester City in fifth. Crystal Palace in sixth. All those, uh, by the way, are teams that are above Tottenham, Everton, and Liverpool. How does that make you feel? Well, you know, are you going to say it's only 10 games? No, 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 not at all, not at all, because Everton was playing really strong, so I'm concerned about their recent form. Granted, they're playing better teams than they were earlier in the season. Sure. Uh, it was a fun, let's face it, that was a fun Merseyside derby, that, that first one. I did enjoy uh, it as well, uh, yeah. all things considered. <laughs> right. um, it was the same thing last year. I, the one... The one thing I can say about Everton versus Liverpool, Liverpool should always be doing much better with the money that that club has versus Everton, who traditionally is a mid-table club. Now, does that mean I want to continue to see them at mid-table? No. Um, I'd love to see them get back to Europe. They, they did quite well in the Europa League when they were in it. At the same time, there's something about English teams when they get in that Europa League that just messes them up for the rest of the season. I, I think it's those Thursday night games with that quick turnaround to Saturday. Uh, we saw Everton suffer. We saw Fulham. I mean, they went to Europa League, and now where are they? In the championship. And even then, they're not doing that right. great. They had a win last night, but they're, they're not doing that great in the championship. Indeed. 
So, yeah, you know, it, it always kills me to see Everton floating around mid-table. I think this season, this is one season that I really feel they should be up in those top five, six. And, and of course, I'm starting Lukaku in my fantasy team, too. So, no, I have to cheer for a little hint of blue there. Uh, but speaking of blue and the fact that Liverpool should be doing better given the money. Let's look at number 15 on the table, shall we? Yes, we shall. I see uh, three wins, uh, two draws, and five losses for the mighty, mighty Chelsea. And losing yesterday to West Ham. To West Ham. Matic with a complete despicable, not despicable, just completely stupid game. I'll put it that way. That They didn't look good. Well, they didn't look good, but Matic takes a guy out that could have been a red card. Ref says, I'll give you a yellow. Then just a few minutes later, he runs and rams into a guy. It made for it a great a YouTube clip, though, <laughs> quite frankly. Flipping over like that. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what else to say other than this is uh, Chelsea's worst start in their 12-year history. Is that right? That's, <laughs> that's good. There you go. All right. In the century of the Chelskis. <laughs> the Chelskis. 12-year history. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, my brother, Josh, who will be on the show here in a little while, he's heading on his way down from coaching the game. <laughs> he, uh, he's a Chelsea fan, so it's probably good that we're talking about yeah, this I'll, now before he gets here. I'll, I'll keep a little quiet. He's bigger than me, so I'll, <laughs> and I can't run when I'm hobbled, so I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I stay quiet about that. So, yeah, EPL, it's, it's definitely uh, quite a shake-up. I mean, if the season were to end today, as you were talking about, look, we'd be in Champions League. We've got... We've got the both Manchesters, but West Ham sitting in third right now. They would be Champions League, and Leicester City would be heading off to the Europa League. Which, by the way, I talked about this with Baxter on the last show. The English teams, they've got to get it together in Europe. Absolutely. They're going to end up losing a place to Italy uh, in the 2017-18 season if they, if they don't start winning some games. Right, no, and, and it's kind of interesting to see Arsenal at the top of the table here and then watch them perform so poorly in Champions League right now. Uh, I think you know, Manchester City and Manchester United, I think, are second in their groups, something like that, but Arsenal was, like, dead last, I believe. And, in fact, the only team that's actually impressed me so far in the Champions League is uh, Zenit, St. Petersburg. Uh, undefeated. Undefeated, nine points. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't know if you know anybody else, Simon, that has a Zenit St. Petersburg uh, scarf on their wall. I have no. I don't know anybody. <laughs> so it's kind of fun to watch. You know, you know, you call them the little club. But really, I mean, they're not a little club in they're Russia. Not, they're know? not a little club. No, they're, they're a big-time club. Does Hulk still play for them, the Brazilian Hulk? Do you know? No, I, I don't know. I don't last know uh, No, I really don't know. But one thing I will say is if you do look at their group, it's not the toughest of groups. No, They've no. got three other teams that I think, honestly, most people go, uh, who's that? Right, right. I think they're in uh, group uh, W for what? <laughs> there you go. So, uh, nevertheless, a win is a win. You still got to take care of business. Right. Because matter. if they were in last place in that group, they'd be si- si- sitting here saying, are you kidding me? Right. And one of the best teams in Russia is doing that in the and, Champions and League? Oddly enough, there is somebody who's last place in that group. And <laughs> I'm sure their fans are saying exactly that same thing. We can't even take care of this business. So it'll be, uh, it'll be fun to watch, but you're absolutely right when it comes to the English clubs. If they don't step up and they don't prove that they earned that fourth spot, right? Let's, you know, Italy's ready to take it. They They're certainly ready are. To take it. They are. Um, you know, Arsenal, of course, got finally a nice big win. Take uh, right. their 2-0 win over Bayern. But that was a one win? Or I, I believe it was. That was a one win. I'm going on the UEFA. Yes, that was their first win. But a big win because it kept them in it. Right. You know, if, right. if Bayern wins that game to nine points and Arsenal still at zero, this keeps it halfway through the group play. 
They got three points. Barnard has six. Right, and and I think they're net neutral on goal difference too. So they're technically in third, I guess. Uh, who's that? Zagreb. Yeah, Zagreb is negative five on the goal difference, ouch, sitting at three ouch. points. So, so, and of course, you know, Chelsea talking about disappointments, sitting third in their group. Two. Mourinho's former club, FC Porto, who's right. sitting in first place. Right. I'm sure he's very happy about that. And, of course, you know, again, with my Eastern European roots showing Dinamo Kiev, kind of showing <laughs> showing him up a little bit doesn't really hurt either. So, Brad, you're a guest today. Question for you. I'm just throwing this at you. Do you have a pick for the Champions League winner? Well, actually, I do, and I, I think it's going to be Bayern Munich. And uh, it's a little, a little too early for me to put any money on it, honestly. But the form in the Bundesliga right now, uh, plus the, the quality that they're showing in Europe, it just, it just feels like they're not losing a step yet. Uh, obviously, both seasons are fairly long, and it's a long way to May. But uh, right now, they're just they're making me feel good about their chances right now. And, um, you know, if I was going to pick a Bundesliga team, it would be Bayern. Uh, it was more Bayern before uh, Schweinsteiger went to <coughs> you know, that other team in Manchester that we don't talk about. But that having been said, uh, yeah, I just feel good about Bayern. How about yourself? Do you have a, do you have a hot pick yet? Are you going to put money on anybody yet? Uh, I'm not going to put money on anybody, but I think it's it's very easy right now to pick Bayern. I mean, they've, they're, 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 almost, they're about to break the record for the... Uh, Winning, uh, longest winning streak in major European league competitions. Right. They're almost undefeated in right, Champions right. League. They got one loss to Arsenal that was at uh, the Emirates. I just think, I just think, uh, looking at their form across uh, the, the domestic league in, in in Europe, they're not losing a step on either side. Uh, they're sitting on top of the domestic league, I think, by ten or nine points right now. I'm going to look that up real quick. Here we go. The table is, yeah, they're up, they're up. They got 30 points in 10 games. It's pretty, pretty, pretty good, I would say. Uh, and the next closest, obviously, Dortmund with uh, 20 points. So they're they're running away with it. They're looking great. They're not drawing. They're doing solid wins. Um, yesterday, uh, when they played, I believe they won. What was that? Four nothing against uh, Cole. And uh, looking pretty good doing it. That's right, four nothing. Um, second most exciting game I would say in the Bundesliga yesterday. Uh, it was uh, Leverkusen Stuttgart. Who yes, you know Andy and I touched upon that, but yeah. we didn't really talk about the specifics. So go ahead and okay, give us some well, of the specifics. Um, it, it, it went into the half at nil nil, which. No, okay, fine. That happens sometimes. But uh, how often do you see a seven-goal explosion in half a, half a match of football? It was pretty exciting. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to watch it. I was watching you know, YouTube clips and everything else like that. But there, there wasn't a boring goal of that seven. So for 45 minutes, it was it was pretty hot. Imagine being the fan that was watching that game on TV. And oh, thought, it was, oh, it was oh a roller God. coaster, too. Well, think about this, though. You're the one who turns it off. And then right, right. 45 minutes later, it's your Twitter three. feed goes up. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> they're up. They're down. They're up. They're down. Who's going to win this? And, you know, that's just, that's where I don't understand how people can say it's the most boring sport in the world. I'm like, have you seen tennis? <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, I, I go out there and play the links myself, but sorry, Dad, watching golf as a sport is just uh, not my cup of tea. It's like watching grass, actually it is watching grass go on TV. <laughs> that's pretty much all it is. <laughs> all right, Brad, we have to jump into our uh, third break here. When we come back, we're hoping that Mr. Josh Proven will be here, uh, here to talk about the... 20th anniversary of the Wisconsin men's soccer NCAA victory. We'll see you on the other side. I was going to say something else. I forgot what it was. But, hey, it's the first time me producing this, so I'm kind of all over the place. <laughs> we're like uh, men in blazers, but we're wearing T-shirts. That's so, right. You know, that's, that's, right. that's the level of professionalism we got right, guy. Love it. <laughs> we'll see you back on the other side, folks.
welcome back to Two Up Front. This is Simon and my guest host with me, Brad. Brad, Brad Castrido, Liverpool Brad, whatever you want to call him. Uh, we are talking soccer culture in Milwaukee. We're also talking a little bit about uh, Brad's feelings on the EPL, UEFA's Champions League, just so whatever eruption by FIFA. I just, I just blurb out whatever I have to say. I've got a note here from my brother that he will be around in about 10 minutes. So again, that is Josh Proven. He was one of the... Uh, Starting marking backs, as they were called in the day, for the UW Madison men's NCAA winning Division One team. Uh, Josh actually went on to be a third-team All-American, but we'll talk more about that when he arrives and hops into uh, hops into our makeshift studio here. We are at the Highbury in Milwaukee doing a live broadcast. The first of many pub stops we'll make here in Milwaukee as we have this awesome soccer culture that includes four or five soccer pubs and many other pubs that just open their doors for EPL games because, because it's gotten so popular going here. To come. That's, that's, what they, right. that's what they discovered. So speaking of that, Brad, uh, you you still live close to the Highbury. You used right. to live a little closer to the Highbury. Um, I knew that if I couldn't catch you at home, I could just call up the phone here and say, hey, Joe, I need to talk to Brad. He'd know exactly what I'm talking about. So, right, right. What do you think it is about this pub that, that makes it so popular and, and so special for the for the soccer culture here in this great city? Well, we talked a little bit earlier about uh, the, the fact that you can have a rivalry, but it's a, it's it's passionate and it's it's there's ang- erg, erg involved, if you know what I mean by the erg factor. Uh, and you can have that with the teams, you can have that with the opposing teams, but when it comes to the fan that you're sitting next to, again, I'm Liverpool grad, you're Everton Simon, we can watch them the side diver, we can kind of make fun of each other when the other team screws up or when we do something right. At the end of the day, this is the kind of pub that nurtures that we're all in this together quality. Uh, you can come here, you can make new friends. Some of my best friends are Manchester United fans. <laughs> and yes. What was the deal with you wearing a United jersey? Oh, yeah, that, about that. <clears throat> all right. Uh, the atrocity that you were. It was, it was, okay, so, <laughs> you want to get into that, all right. <laughs> if it's clean, remember, it's family clean, show, it's clean, family it's content. Clean. No, it was, it, it's actually very simple, um, I, I'm going to have strong opinions here. I think Adidas makes the uh, the best looking quality professional kits. That's just my opinion. I think, you know, the other, um, the other, the other people make great kits. I like Nike's kits, everything else like that. Uh, Manchester United went back to the Adidas kit this year. And I looked at it, and I looked at what, honestly, Liverpool's been doing with the Warrior kits lately, and, you know, they're okay, they're not great, and I just kind of was, I talked to Edgar, who's uh, the, the gentleman, the man, you supporter, who had the kit here, and it was a Schweinsteiger kit, so I got, like, this torn, okay, sure, you know, sure. torn thing about him, uh, and I just said, well, can I just try it on, just to see what a, a good quality, modern Adidas kit feels like? And uh, then, yeah, of course, everybody at the bar decides to take a picture of Liverpool. Brad, you know, man, man, I'm, I'm currently in a production right now that is uh, C.S. Lewis debating with Sigmund Freud. Okay. I think if Freud was here, he'd want to psychoanalyze that moment of your life. Um, I think if, uh, <laughs> because it's a family show, I, I, I don't think I can describe the photograph on Facebook, but it's probably yes. not family-friendly. It probably said more about how I felt okay, than anything else. Fair enough. You know, one of the things I love about the Highbury is coming here for the U.S. national team games, Oh, especially it's, the qualifiers and the, and the World Cup games. Talk about an atmosphere. You know, it's, it's actually been featured in a few of those YouTube clips where it you know, goes through all these different bars throughout the country right. of, you know, reactions to goals. That's right. Uh, the Highbury, by the way, 2322 South Kinnikinnick, the Highbury Pub is the actual uh, American Outlaws home bar. Uh, every chapter has a home bar that, you know, they kick in some money and they promise to show all the matches and make them featured matches, things like that. And so the American Outlaws, which is, I believe, now the largest U.S. soccer supporters group overtaking Sam's Army some time ago, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
the the group gets together here. We actually, I'm, as part of the group, I come here for the the planning meetings and things like that too. Yeah. We hang out in the back room or the back area here and we grab a couple couple beers. Uh, I believe. Uh, um, probably two, three times a year. We just talk about the events we want to do and how we want to link them into the matches that are being shown. This is, honestly, we try to promote all the matches. And so we're talking about the women's team, we're talking about the men's team, the U21, we're talking about the Olympics, we're talking about whatever we can. Um, and we try to promote it, get the people to come in, get them to get excited about U.S. soccer, you know, just as much as you can be excited about your club, right? Or, or uh, you know, your, your local organization, whatever you want to do. Sure. So U.S. soccer to me is, you know, it's the other, it's the other passion, you know, passionate about soccer, uh, passionate about my club, passionate about my country, right? Which which might be a segue to another conversation <laughs> in a few minutes, we'll see. Um, so yeah, it, it, the atmosphere here though, yeah, it's absolutely the ones that you see on the ESPN promos before the World Cup last year. I believe the hyper was in two of those promos, just the, the fan base reacting to those things like that. Across the the there are very few uh, qualifying matches or tournament matches where if you don't get here early, um, you might be standing outside watching through the window. Right. Um, I think plenty of people do. Plenty of people do. I think you've come to a match and I've been here trying to save a spot, and I think the spot I saved you is roughly the size of a pint glass, and that's about <laughs> all I could, all I could muster up. Right? <laughs> we squeezed you in. We got you in. And folks, I am so claustrophobic that it, <laughs> it takes a lot for me to have to sit there and go, okay, I can, I can handle this. But uh, for U.S. soccer, yeah, men's or women's team, I, I will definitely do it. That's another thing that's exciting is we, we can get, you know, for the for the big tournaments, for the big qualifiers, we can get just as large of a crowd for the women's team. Women's World Cup matches, the uh, the final was, was just gangbusters here. And, and, you know, it's it's not only just good for soccer, good for Milwaukee, but it's good for business, too. I mean, like I said, there's an economic engine behind the soccer That's team, right. So. Absolutely. Well, walking through the back door of the pub is uh, one of my older brothers, Josh Pearlman. I've been, been trying to schedule this uh, appearance of Josh for quite a while. He's, uh, as I said before, he's a member of the UW-Madison's Men's, women, men, men's, women's, I'm, I'm all over the place. Winning national, ch- winning national championship team, NCAA Division I, back in 1995, starting marking back. Was just up at Camp Randall where they were recognized again for their great efforts. And uh, here he is on the show, Josh. Finally, welcome. Uh, thanks for having me, Simon. I know it's been uh, trying to get this together, so sorry for all the reschedules, but hey, I appreciate being on the show. No apologies needed. You're a busy man. You're a dad of three kids. You're coaching soccer. You're running your daughter off to dance classes and watching her perform, watching your boys do some awesome stuff on the soccer field, so totally understandable. Um, today's show is a special edition, which is why it's awesome to have you on. We're talking about the culture of soccer in Milwaukee, but also just in southeastern Wisconsin overall. Um, just wanted to touch base with you on you know what the celebrations were like. It's been 20 years, not to age you or anything, but I'm aging myself because I was I was running through the halls of UW Parkside with my face painted. Kids were wondering what the heck I was celebrating until they saw the uh, Wisconsin two Duke zero number on my chest. Um, how was the celebration? What was it like to be back up there reunite with all those fans, uh, not fans, your teammates and, and head coach? Well, first of all, it's hard to believe it's been 20 years. <laughs> 20 years went by so fast. It feels like when we were up there, it was yesterday. So, But it was a great event, and Coach Trask up there in the, the Wisconsin Athletic Department put on a great um, reunion for all of us. and. It was all centered around the, the national championship, but they brought, brought in alumni for up from all the years, so it was great. We got a tour of their new state-of-the-art locker room facilities, so 
under Camp Randall Stadium now and in, in under the the complex where they have the indoor training facilities. They've went ahead and dug that out and built state-of-the-art locker rooms for all the teams, including soccer, women's hockey, etc. So it was great to see the program put in that amount of money into other sports. Um, and so we also had an opportunity to, to meet with the team and, and sit down in a training session. They recognized us between the first and second quarter of, of the football game. And then we joined in uh, the team. So, so they actually recognize you guys by people in the stands and not whether they're going out to uh, get Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so it was great. It was great to have us all on the field again. So the national championship, the players from the national championship team, but also all the alumni from all the years that, that came back. And then the following day we had brunch at the soccer stadium and then watched the team play Maryland. And unfortunately they, they took a, a pretty bad loss to Maryland that day. And then we had some food at, at Coach Trask's house where we watched some videos and um, got to hold the trophy again because we haven't seen that in 20 years. We saw it in the trophy case at Camp Randall, so it was great to hold the trophy. Coach Launder came, so it was great to see Coach Launder and, and a lot of the guys from the 95 team. I think there was just about 50% of the guys made it back. Nice. So it, it was great to have that reunion because after, after we won and they made the coaching changes, um, it's been it's been tough to go back. It's been well, it's been rough up there. Right? Let's yes. it. they haven't been winning much. And uh, when you were there, there was there was a wealth of four or five of you that were all Americans. You named all American in '96. Yes. Uh, they've only had one all American since your team won the championship. Since you were named all American. If, if I if I saw your photo on Facebook and read that correctly, right. only one player. Correct. So it's for for a club that or not a club for a program that was so storied in Wisconsin. It should be nice to see you get back there. Uh, I don't know if you want to touch at all upon the controversy that happened, or, or we'll just leave it at leave yeah, it at that. Really. Yeah. I just I just think being up there though, it, it it made you realize how special it was of what we were able to accomplish because so 20 years have gone by and they've only made the tournament once in 20 years and additionally that's the last national championship that. Wisconsin has won oh, is that right? in, in, in all sports combined. So if if the basketball program, which I was I was pulling for them, would have won this um, the the basketball championship, that would have been the first since the, the our soccer win. So it, it really puts in perspective how special of, yeah. a, of a year and a run we did have. Um, yeah, let's talk about that run real quick because you guys set an NCAA record Correct. for shutting out every single team Correct. that you played. Correct. What was so special about that system? It was you, it was Chad Cole in the back. Right, Scott Lamphere was the, the sweeper. Well, it was different because it was an old 3-5-2 system. A lot of teams don't do 3-5-2. I think some, some teams are going back to that. But, you know, we just had the, the right group of personnel to execute that type of formation where I was, I was in the back with Chad Cole and, and most often when you play against teams, they, they had a, a really fast striker and then a bigger striker. So mm -hmm. Chad would take the, the bigger guy and I would take the small guy. And Lanfear was there to clean up. Um, but was, what was nice about it too is me and Chad Cole were very skilled in the back, right? So we had a very attacking style of play. So I would often make runs out of the back. Chad would make runs out of the back and we'd have guys cover for each other. So. You know, in terms of that run, it, it was. It was just special. It's, um, you know, good teams, they'll create luck. You get luck along the way, but I'm a believer that you create luck, good luck, by 
executing good things. Well, and I, I, you know, I think there was more skill than luck considering, again, you shut out every single right. team. It takes a lot more than luck to do yep. that. Yep. Um, and I, I always felt, looking back on those years, too, is what you were talking about, is, just, is your team was a little bit ahead of its time, actually, yeah. with, with sending defenders forward. And you played striker in high school. Correct. Jim Launders had you transformed you back into a marking back, but Correct. he loved that he could sneak you up there and surprise the other team and take those shots, if not make a goal, at least confuse that team for that moment where somebody would get that ball off the rebound and, and put it in Correct. the back of the net. Yeah, so going back to that, so and I, and I remember these stats. We had 17 shutouts, okay, out of the, out of the, the, the whole game, including the NCAA tournament. Only 11 goals allowed in all of the the, uh, the games played throughout the season, including the NCAA tournament. So um, it was, you know, we, we took pride in our defense. But I think what teams underestimated us, especially as we got into the Final Four, teams like Portland and Duke that we ultimately played, they underestimated the offensive powerhouse we were because we were very good offensively. We had very quick outside midfielders. We had Mike Gentile in the middle. He was very crafty on the ball. You had strikers like Travis Roy, bigger target, very skillful. And guys like Lars Hansen um, that could that could strike the ball very well. So I think it played well into us where everyone thought we were just a defensive team, but we weren't. We were a very strong offensive team as well, and, and, and as well as the, the defense. But the other thing is, too, is we also lost our starting keeper at um, when we played SMU. So going into the Final Four, we actually had our backup keeper that, you know, through I that series, John about Delskis. That. So that's, right. that, that's what was made it even more special is the fact that we lost our starting keeper and our defense was able to still uh, keep a shutout. So obviously me being a defender, I, I take great pride in that. As well as you should. And of course, your starting keeper was a, a monster, was an awesome keeper. Absolutely. Todd Wilson, if yes. I remember his name correctly. Yep. One of the best. Um, if not, I'd have to look at the, the stats, but he's got to have the highest, or the best, or second best goals against average in, in, the in history? All of Wisconsin right. soccer history. Right. Absolutely. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit here, Josh, uh, because now you're giving back. Yes. As I mentioned, you've got three kids. Uh, you're a coach over at FC Wisconsin. Correct. Coaching uh, your oldest son. You coach your youngest son as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So uh, so do you instill in them what you have taken from all these years of playing yourself and then some? Or how do you, how do you go about that with yeah, the boys? Absolutely. It's, um, it's been fun coaching. I've been coaching over at FC. Um, this is my, what, third season, second, third season. Can't, you know, again, as years go by, you keep, you lose track. <laughs> right. But I coach the 11s and 12s and help with the 13s and 14s. So, absolutely. Um, but I try to try to give them their space, right? I want them to love the game and, and find the love for their game. And I think my oldest is there where he really found the love for the game. And he wants to watch uh, English Premier League like we're watching over here at the Highbury. And, you know, so my youngest, he's kind of in and out. You know, some days he really enjoys it. Other days he's kind of, he's still a kid. As so, I say, that's being a kid. You yeah. know, so, I, you know, I, I, I like to, obviously at practice, I treat them like players, okay? Treat them like players, um, not as my kids. So I'm absolutely instilling the beliefs in all my players around just being a very aggressive, right? Using the strengths that you have. Some, some kids are very big and not very skillful, right? They're not very 
skillful, use that speed to your advantage while you improve on these other things. So, um, but again, I as after the games, I just kind of let it. If they want to talk to me about it and ask for advice, that's how I, I try to play it because I don't want them to feel like they have so much pressure and they have to do this, right? So what advice would you give parents who aren't coaches but are there just to watch their kids? You know, at the, as you were talking about, the after-game discussion, what kind of things would you encourage the parents of the kids you coach to say to them? Yeah, absolutely. The first thing is your kids just want as parents they just want you there to watch and support them so I, I think it's just the best thing you can do is say hey you know what I really enjoyed watching you play you know today you played great and if they have questions and they want they open that door for you have questions I think that's the opportunity maybe if you saw something that you may want to talk to them about but it's hard I mean kids now there's a lot of pressure at school and in sports and we see parents a lot that put a lot of un, unnecessary pressure right because they think that they ultimately know what's best and the other thing is kids develop at very different um, ages right and um, that's what for me growing up I saw you know at, at times the best players would stop working hard. So some of the not best players that would work very hard in the backyard ultimately turn to be the best players. So I think it's a matter of just be patient, right? Trust your coaches. They're there for a reason. Um, they understand the game. Um, but yeah, just just be there to enjoy and support them. Awesome. I don't I, I don't know if you've heard about the UW Oshkosh situation, where they're actually cutting their men's program. Yeah, a little bit, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that since uh, you know connecting to those UW schools at all. Well, uh, you know, it's unfortunate anytime you see um, a soccer program go away. That that's unfortunate. Again, I don't know much details of it, sure. but I've, I've had I've got friends that have played in the program, you know, years past. So mm -hmm. I know for them it's very disappointing to see a program go. I'd, I'd feel the same way if it was, um, you know, Madison losing sure. losing a men's soccer program. I like they lost the men's baseball program a couple of years ago. So unfortunate they can't find find a, a way to keep it um, there today. Especially but, such a. Uh growing up through ODP program. He was a very successful coach. Absolutely. You know, you see a very successful program go. It's, it's unfortunate. So hopefully they'll find a way to bring it back. All right, Josh. It's been a pleasure having you on. I'm so glad it finally worked out with your busy schedule. Yes, thanks for having me on. Big fan of the show. Hopefully uh, we'll get you more supporters here down the <laughs> road good. too. All right. All right. All right. Well, thanks, thanks brother. Appreciate, Appreciate it. You. Yep. That was Josh Provan celebrating the 20th anniversary of the last national championship in UW sports at all, and that was specifically with the men's soccer team, and talked a little bit about what it is to be a coach. Had a couple of his kids along, so I got to see my one of my nephews and nieces, which is always great, too. I got some pictures for you. It's oh, gonna good. Be, it's going to be nice. Well, Brad, we're going to go to a final break here. When we come back, we'll do a little bit of wrap-up. Well, let's see. That's if the program wants to work, we'll go to a break here. That's all right. I mean, I'm only good for the next 15 minutes, and the Liverpool match starts anyway. A couple quick, a couple quick finals from the EPL. We've got uh, Tottenham taking out Bournemouth 5-1, and Manchester Derby's finished with a nil-nil draw. Nobody wants to win that game, apparently. Apparently not. Well, let's see if this works. There we go. I got one of the songs to work. That's it. Sometimes you have to repeat the songs, just like life. You got to repeat that lessons. That's once right. In a while. I do it all the time because I forget what I said anyway. <laughs> well, I had a fun show so far. When we come back, we'll wrap up a few things. Talk a little bit. Final thoughts here on uh, soccer in Milwaukee, where it's headed, where we hope it's headed. 
And until then, we will see you on the other side. Oh, there's the music. I actually didn't have the music playing. Oh, that's what you got to do. So all of you who are listening, all of you who are listening going, Simon, there's no music. I had the mute button hit. Hey, I'm learning. Welcome back to Two Up Front. This is Simon Provan with Brad Kostreva. Brad Kostreva, Liverpool Brad. Well, Brad's getting anxious because uh, Liverpool's about to kick off here against Southampton. So uh, he's telling me we've got to wrap the show up. No, he's, uh, we could sit here all day. We've got a TV right in front of us, a bunch of TVs in the pub here at the Milwaukee Highbury. I'm just saying if the game starts and, uh, you know, it's going on, you're asking me questions, I might answer with, hold on a second, just wait, hold on a second. So, fair enough, fair enough, Brad. So, hey, I want to uh, thank all of you who are listening being patient with me uh, doing my first time producing the show. I want to thank Baxter for texting in here or there saying, hey, try this, try this, try this. So if we've been a little loud, you're never, you're never supposed to apologize to the audience, but I feel the need to apologize to the audience. I apologize for nothing. <laughs> so, uh, but thanks for sticking with us. If you stuck with us this long, we are talking soccer culture in Milwaukee. We had Andy Davian from the Milwaukee Torrent, head coach and owner of that team. They'll be playing in the ASL2 starting mid-April, they'll have their preseason kickoff, and then they'll play through August. I'm planning on being there. You're planning on, I'm, planning I'm planning on being there, there as well. I'm, I'm very excited to have professional soccer back in Milwaukee. Exactly. It's been too long. It has been way too long. Uh, I, I do want to say one thing I forgot to mention with my brother Josh. He was actually captain of the Milwaukee Rampage when he retired from the team. I've got two other bro- brothers who played. One had to retire because of injury. Um, actually, the other one also had to retire because of injury. How many brothers yeah. you got, man? <laughs> I've got three older brothers. Uh, Josh was really the only one to walk away on his own terms. And funny enough, because he wanted to start making money. <laughs> that, well, unfortunately, that makes sense. Yes, but. Back, back then, you know, there wasn't much money to be had in professional soccer, and he was starting a family, and uh, it was needed to do that. But hey, it's pretty cool to say that you got to retire as a captain of a professional, a professional soccer, soccer team. Um, on top of that, I've got a sister who played as well. She had to leave the game because of... Uh, compartment syndrome, but she was an all-conference player at UW-Milwaukee. Uh, and then there was me. I went to uh, Division II school and just decided I wanted to be uh, in the more secure field of acting. <laughs> you might you might want to switch to soccer so you can make more money. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, how times have changed. But then we're sitting here at the uh, Highbury Pub in Milwaukee. One of the things that we were talking about, we, uh, we were watching the, a little bit of the uh, Manchester Derby here today. I believe the game is finished up. Is that right? Yeah, nil, nil. Nobody wanted to win. Nobody wanted to win. Vincent Company with the yellow card, but 
seeing that Vincent Company there got that yellow card, it kind of spurned this club country debate. I'm going to let you uh, run off with that for a little bit, and I'll jump in. Sure. So, uh, and it, it could happen to anybody, right? This is We're not talking about Manchester sh- City, excuse me. We're not talking about Belgium specifically, but... Uh, it, it, it comes down to priorities. It comes down to, comes down to what are you playing for? Uh, who owns your career? You know, who makes the decisions and how much like ownership of your own time playing soccer do you have? Now, so a quick backstory here: uh, company injured his calf, I believe, and he was uh, ruled out for four to five weeks, I believe, with Manchester City. So he's going through the the protocols for recovery and healing, doing all his physical therapy and everything else he needs to do. Uh, somewhere in the middle there, there's these Euro qualifiers or something like that, you know? Yeah, exactly. So uh, Belgium calls him up and says, hey, we want you to play defense for our qualifier coming up here. And uh, apparently he plays. Uh, so that doesn't sit well with Manchester City, obviously, because he's not actually been cleared to play for Manchester City yet. He was scheduled to come back, but he hadn't actually made his uh, re-debut, if you will, with the, with the club. And so that got me thinking about something over the course of this week, and I said, hey, this might be an interesting topic for the show. Again, take Manchester City out of it, take Belgium out of it, it could happen to anybody. Where is the responsibility and where is the ownership of who determines what is the right thing to do in your career when you're splitting up your time between club and country. Well, and there's, a, there's an additional wrinkle to this argument, and some of, the, some of it has been worked out a bit. It's that, you know, the club is really the one paying you. Right, exactly. Uh, the country, these players do get paid by their countries, but not nearly as much as they're getting paid to pay for their clubs. Now, FIFA has stepped in a few years ago and said, basically, they're handing out insurance policies. If, if a club's player gets hurt while on international duty, the club will get compensated for that. However, that doesn't solve the problem of if you are a Vincent company, you get injured. Okay, the club gets the money, but, but what do you do about a player? player? What exactly. do you do as a player? As exactly. but, but what about that's a very important player for Manchester City to suddenly not have on the field because he got injured playing it's elsewhere. Your captain, for goodness sakes! I mean, you know, Torre was was acting in the captain role for a while, but when uh, Company came back, uh, was it last week, I believe? Um, when he subbed in toward about, about the 78th minute of that match. Uh, Pellegrini just basically said, no, you're not ready to be captain yet, and he, he took that armband off. It felt a little bit like retribution from deciding to play in Belgium. Sure, sure. And, and that's a whole other conversation of, of whether or not the club can actually take any punitive or, or administrative action there. I, I don't think they could say they did, but right. kind of like behind the scenes, yeah, we're not giving you the armband right now. I, I might not agree with that, just my opinion, but uh, at, the, at the same time, Whose decision is it ultimately? Is it me, the player? Is it my agent? Is it the person writing my check? And if, if it's me, the player, yes, I play for Manchester City in this case. I play for Manchester City because they pay my rent. Or, you know, they pay the bills. Whatever. Sure, right. Well, a lot of bills, actually. Well, they pay a lot. <laughs> anyway, uh, but at the same time, if I'm playing for country, I'm playing for pride, passion, and my flag. Right. right. So, what's important to you? Who makes that decision? And and really, what's the right balance? I, you, you're right. FIFA stepped in, but it's only on the financial side. Right. We're not. We're, we're going to talk about what about the ethical side? Mention <laughs> FIFA at the same time here. <laughs> right. But no, seriously, what about the ethical or the personal or the or the, the sportsmanship side, if you will? I, I'm kind of curious because I actually I sent this note to you earlier this week. I don't know if I actually got a response. Yeah, I did. You know, no position on the show. So, uh, my position is basically this: country first. I've always felt that way, uh, and here I am sitting next to a man who, who actually serves our country, but country first, and it could be in that it's a little bit unique, in that when we were kids, U.S. soccer basically was 
the big club. Right. I mean, they, was, they signed the their players. Here, really, right. They it? signed their players to six-figure salaries. Right. And when, for example, uh, when Aldo went and played in the Bundesliga, that was basically on loan from U.S. Soccer. Right. So I'm sure that has influenced me a bit where growing up that was the biggest thing. But I still think, you know, look at somebody like David Beckham. That was his line all the time. I will play for my country every time they call. Sorry, a bench falling down there. Every time they call me, and I will not retire. They have to put me out in the pasture, which basically they ended up doing. Um, but for me, I look at these players, and I think there can be no greater honor as a player than playing for your country. Now, when you're a Ronaldo, uh, when, you're, when you're Messi, I don't know if that's true, because you are the face of these clubs. Exactly. But in my heart of hearts, it's country first. Right. And then it does come down to what is in your heart of hearts exactly. as an individual right. player. I mean, like you said, back from no, at, the, at the same time, sorry to cut you off there, but at the same time, if, if the manager of your country is being completely ridiculous, I can also see a player going, I'm, I'm not playing for my country until that guy's gone because he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, he's playing me out of position all the time. I have no joy in playing for my country when all I'm doing is looking like a fool because I don't know basically how to play this position. Now, I'm not, just, not, not talking about anybody specifically. Right, right. I, I was going to say, I understand where you're coming from. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. But <laughs> say no wrong. <laughs> but, but let's talk about in this specific case because this is going to happen and it has happened. We're talking about an injury here. We're talking about something that theoretically, yes, he's getting better. In this case, companies thigh or calf, I think it was his calf, was getting better, but this is an injury situation. This isn't, uh, you know, you're playing me out of position situation. This is, this is my life right now. I am a soccer player and mm-hmm. a soccer star, quite frankly. Right. In Manchester. Absolutely. So, so, and Belgium ranked number one right now in the world as well on top of it. Shockingly. No, actually, I, I'm, I'm a FIFA ranking, so take it for what they were. Well, I'm sure Belgium paid, no, no, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> No, and, and going back to the World Cup, they certainly deserve you know, the rise in rankings that they've yes. had. But, little segue there. Um, but my point is, as, as an injury situation, I think this one was handled a little bit sketchily uh, compared to how it could have been handled, just because it wasn't transparent. It was a surprise to Pellegrini that he actually went and played for Belgium, that he actually accepted to play. It's like there was no communication within the club, and there's no communication between the, the Belgian well, I, FA and the club ahead of time to say, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to make sure he's okay coming back to your club. And that's, that's the key is the communication, because I, I still say, even if it's an injury, hey, if he's okay to play, and it just happens that Belgium Belgium is playing, and that's who he plays with before he plays with City. I still have no problem with that, but that's the key is, there, is the communication. You know, perhaps the clubs and the countries need to have both their physicians look at this player on the, on, the, on the recovery protocols. So if Belgium clears him to play and says, you know what, you're recovered good enough, but Man, Man City doesn't, that's where the, the training staff on both sides well, has to come together. Yes, but I also think that that's when the player has to make the decision. Okay, then there's there's the question I have for you. What's your opinion? There you go. Yeah, and, and, you're, and you're absolutely right. And, no, you're right that I agree with you. Put it this way: that if I had to make the decision between club and country, and it came down to something like that, club first. I mean, club first. Club. Okay. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Country first. Okay, okay. You know, okay. club club first to, to to not be. Okay, that came out bad. I'm new on the radio, folks. Well, the hope here is uh, we're we're doing uh, this awesome, fun show here at the Highbury in Milwaukee. Talking about international soccer, but really a focus of the show, the show being 
the soccer, soccer culture in Milwaukee. And we're certainly hoping we get to a place where we've got a club that's big enough here that we can have this debate about our own Milwaukee professional players versus playing for the U.S. national team. I'm looking right now at the MLS table, and I'm like, there's a spot for Milwaukee that would look there, really there nice right about there. there. You go. Right above uh, Portland, say, somewhere. So there... <laughs> <laughs> now you're making it difficult on me. <laughs> So, Brad, Baxter and I always do this special segment. I don't know if you've put any thought into this. We shall find out. But uh, let's hear the fans cheer for a little bit. That's right. It is our I Believe segment. So with our I Believe segment, we take a topic. Or actually, I'm thinking of the 50-50. I believe we, we basically say something that we believe will happen in the soccer world, whether it is I believe Byron will win the Champions League or I believe that Columbus Crew will beat D.C. United today, whatever it may be. Which actually, I think I do believe that. I think that's, that was my pick. Uh, which, by the way, Baxter and I did our picks on the last show. Uh, so we're not really focusing on MLS today because Baxter and I had our decision show. Fair enough. I'm, still, I'm still picking the Timbers tonight, though, by the way, over Colorado. Awesome. 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 That, was my, that was my pick. I think they will make the playoffs. Still don't want to see Caleb Porter as their manager anymore, but let him finish out the year. There you go. Uh, but anyways, back to our I Believe segment. So, Brad, I don't know if you've put any thought to this. Do you have an I Believe or do you want me to go first and give you a few extra seconds? No, I'm going to I'm gonna go first because uh, I am, after all, Liverpool Brad. <laughs> and uh, we've got some buzz. We've got some excitement with the, uh, not not only with the match today, it's about to I can see the players walking out of the tunnel right now. So I'm going to get really distracted really soon here. Yes, yes. But, <clears throat> but uh, with the oh, that was going to be I be- my I Believe. Right. I thought you were going to get distracted, so I've got to think of a new one. <laughs> and there's, there's Klopp right now shaking hands and, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so he's never going to walk alone again. Uh, this is Anfield. Right okay. Okay, I'm, I'm done being a striker. Yes, I, here's my I believe. I believe that uh, Klopp will bring Liverpool up into top form. Uh, not this year, by any means, but I would say in the next three to four. And I'm not saying five, I'm saying three to four years, they will be Champions League qualified, and they will be competing for the, the league trophy. Three to four years. So let me, let me ask you two questions with that. First of all, do you think the Red Sox ownership group will give them that much time? to turn it around. How, how much time do you think they'll give them to turn it around? Uh, I think uh, the ownership group, um, which is obviously financially driven, is going to give them give him about uh, 10 minutes to turn it around, okay. quite frankly. Okay. But, right. uh, again, and I kind of touched on this at the beginning of the show, I, I think he's got he's got the uh, passion, certainly has the energy. Yes. Uh, yeah. He's got the pedigree, if you will. Uh, and I think he's just got the the, the guts and the, the chutzpah, if you will, to stand up to the ownership group and say, these are the steps we need to take to get there. And I think this next transfer window, when we see his specific decisions, we're going to feel, I think that's I, as a Liverpool key. fan, yes. I think we're going to feel a lot better about his, we're going to call it medium-term goals. Because long-term is, meh, more than five years. I'm as a non-Liverpool fan, I agree with you that it, it's, it's, the transfer window will be handled much better with, with him in charge of it. I was going to ask you another question, but uh, I can't remember what it is. So, it's, you know, too much talk about Liverpool anyways. Uh, <laughs> my I believe for this edition is that I believe that the torrent will be around longer than uh, most people are giving Andy Davy credit for. I'm going to double this up, though, but I also believe that the Milwaukee Barons are going to do something big as well and that overall Milwaukee is going to get noticed again for what we have here as far as the soccer culture. Couldn't agree more. So, Brad, it has been a fantastic show. Uh, really have enjoyed having you out here. Thanks for filling in for Baxter. Baxter, I look forward to having you back in the studio. Thanks for giving me the reins. 
Again, sorry if I blew out people's ears, but uh, we're just passionate about our soccer here in Milwaukee. That's right. Had a wonderful show with Andy Davi coming on, my brother Josh coming on, and of course, uh, my special guest host who did an awesome job today, Brad Kostriva. Well, I don't have uh, Baxter's uh, look and personality, but I got a face radio. So, <laughs> Folks, one thing I didn't mention, you can listen to us every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sports Radio America. You can find us on Facebook at 2UpFront. You can also find us on Twitter at 2UpFrontSoccer as well as on Instagram at 2UpFrontSoccer. You can find me on Twitter at Simon Provan. Brad, what about you? Facebook and Twitter presence? At the Brad K. At the Brad K. That's my Twitter, uh, my Twitter ID. Uh, on Facebook, just uh, facebook.com forward slash the Brad. The Brad K. Sorry. The Brad awesome. K. Brad, thanks again for a wonderful show. With our manager being the one up above, we are 2UpFront. Let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type two collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe.